0: you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to open to Acts chapter 1. We're going to look there today. You know, it's probably one of the most well-known Bible verses in the world. Been preached on more by the greatest evangelist of our time, Billy Graham, than any other verse. Of course, I'm referring to John 3.16. It said, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. And whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now pay attention to three words in this verse because these three words form the basis of everything we're going to talk about today. The first word is God. The second word is loved. And the third word is world. See, if you want to know why God is a mission-minded God, why we should be a mission-minded church, in fact, why every Christian should be a mission-minded Christian, it's summed up in those three words. Because if we love God, We will love what God loves. And God loves the world. God loves every single person in this world, whether they love Him back or not. And if God loved this world enough to give His Son, we ought to love this world enough to give ourselves. See, God wants you to have a ministry in this church. But He also wants you to have a mission in this world. And here's the difference. The difference is ministry is serving Christ primarily for believers, where missions is serving Christ with unbelievers. In fact, the ultimate goal of a church is to make disciples. The ultimate result of a disciple is a follower of Christ who agrees to be a missionary. And I know you're sitting there right now and you're thinking, me? A missionary? No. No. But the reason why evangelism and missions have to be on our heart is because it was at the very heart of Jesus. In fact, look at the last words that Jesus ever spoke before ascending into heaven. Acts 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus Christ left this earth with missions on his mind. I mean, think of it this way. Jesus came as a missionary from heaven so that he might make us missionaries for heaven. But now don't let that word missionary scare you. Because being a missionary does not mean that you have to give up your job. It doesn't mean you have to get on a plane and fly thousands of miles. It doesn't mean you have to be seminary trained. It doesn't even mean you have to have mission experience there was a question asked in a survey of 1,000 church attenders. And it shows why what we're talking about is so important. Out of 1,000 church attenders were asked this question, why does the church exist? 89% said the church's purpose is to take care of my families and my spiritual needs. Now, let me tell you that is important. Obviously, we as a church want to meet the needs of our families and our individual's. But what broke my heart was only 11% said the purpose of the church was to win the world for Jesus Christ. See, Jesus did not come to this planet and die on the cross to pay for our sins just so we could form this spiritual social club where we get together once a week and and tell each other how, how life is. No, Jesus came to this earth and died for the sins of the world. And He left us as His followers on this earth so we could share with those who don't know Christ how they can be forgiven and receive salvation. See, I want to make three statements and you determine whether or not you believe them, whether you agree with them. Statement one, Jesus Christ was who He said He was. Now, who did He say He was? Well, He said He was the Son of God. He said He was God in the flesh. He said He was the Messiah. He said he was Savior of the world. Do you believe that? Statement two, Jesus Christ did what he said he did. So now what did he say he did? Well, he said that he came to this earth and died for the sins of the world. And then he was raised from the dead. Do you believe it? Statement three, heaven and hell are real. And people can only go to heaven through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you believe it? See, there's only one way you don't get excited, you don't get motivated to be involved in missions, and that's if you disagree with any or all of those statements. Because if you agree with them, and I firmly believe in them, then the verse we read in Acts 1 gives us great encouragement on how can we be missionaries. And it starts by, I can use God's power for mission. See, let me give you some good news. L- lift a, a tremendous amount of pressure off your shoulders. You don't have to be a perfect Christian or seminary trained or, or great at public speaking or, or even extremely knowledgeable of the Bible in order to fulfill your role as a missionary. Because to be honest, if those were the requirements, very few people could ever do mission work. No, the first requirement to doing missions for God is the power to carry out missions. That's why Jesus began with this promise. Right? In verse 8 he said, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, whether you believe it or not, whether you appropriate it on a daily basis or not, you as a child of God have at your disposal the greatest power on the planet. The power of the Holy Spirit. But see, the problem with the average follower of Christ is not that they don't have the power, it's they don't use it. I read about an American and a Canadian, and they were standing at Niagara Falls, and they were looking at this tremendous water cascading down the massive cliff, and the Canadian said, you know, you're looking at the greatest unused power in all the world. And the American who was a Christian said, sir, you're wrong. The greatest unused power in the world is the power of the Holy Spirit. See, missions takes a team effort. And we have a teammate in this work. And that teammate is the Holy Spirit. Acts 5.32 And we are his witnesses of these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Missions is so important to our Heavenly Father, so much about a passion of His own heart that He not only does not want us to try and do it alone, He won't let us do it alone. He, through the Holy Spirit, will be present with us, will give us His power to carry out His work. If you don't believe what what I'm about to tell you, then, then really this whole message today is a waste. Because if what Jesus said is true about the Holy Spirit and his role in the life of a Christ follower, then you have to believe this. God can use you in his way, with your personality, with your gifts, to carry out his mission, to move people to faith in Jesus. See, the encouraging news is to do this, we can use God's power for mission. And then we can fulfill God's purpose for missions. With this power, because of this power, Jesus says this, you shall be my witnesses. And again, before you say, what, me, a missionary? Well, remember who Jesus made this statement to. Right, he was talking to tax collectors and fishermen and farmers and shepherds and homemakers and businessmen. He was talking to men and women and young people. In other words, he was talking to people just like us. Remember, God doesn't have a plan B to reach this world. To show him his love. It's up to us. And either we are going to be his witnesses, or there will be no witnesses. Someone said this, Christ alone can save the world, but Christ cannot save the world alone. That's why he needs us, wants us to be his witnesses. And really, that word witness should encourage you. You know, I don't know if you've ever been a witness in a courtroom, but, but I have. I've had to literally sit down, take the oath to swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. And both times I've done that in a courtroom, I've, I've never been nervous or anxious or fearful because all I was to do was tell the truth, to tell about what I'd seen and heard and what I knew was true. You know, some people think about the word witness and they think about being some type of a salesperson. But, but I'm not talking about high-pressure sales tactics to get people to buy into anything. Really, the great news is you're not trying to sell anything. We as the church, we're trying to give it away. God hasn't called us to be His lawyers or defense attorneys or counsel or judge. He, he called us to be witnesses. And a witness is simply a person with a testimony. 1 John 5.10, those who believe in the Son of God have the testimony of God in them. We have a testimony to share. Everyone in this room who knows Jesus Christ and has come to a point where they've received Him as their Savior has a testimony to share. Go back to that courtroom. When a witness is on the stand, they're not arguing the case, right? They're not trying to prove the truth or press for a verdict. They're simply testifying to what they know and it's seen and it heard. And that's what being a missionary is. It's just bearing witness in your way with your personality, with your gifts to what Christ has done for you. In fact, a recent Gallup poll said 89% of Americans are intensely interested in spiritual matters. But the problem is not that there are not people out there open to our missions efforts. The problem is, we don't have enough of our people making the effort to do the missions. But we can fulfill God's purpose for mission. The really good news is I can participate in God's plan for missions. Because see, Jesus not only tells us what we are to do and how we are to do it, he tells us where we are to do it. Right? He says, first, go into your community. Start local. In verse 8, he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Now, where was Jesus standing when he spoke these words? <laughs> he was standing in Jerusalem. In other words, he said, the first place you need to begin to be a missionary is right here where you live, in your own neighborhoods, in your own communities. And that will always be the primary responsibility of our church now that's not where we stop but it's definitely where we start see the point is you don't have to go overseas to be a missionary you don't have to leave our community to be involved in God's mission work It starts here and then Jesus says okay but then you leave your community and go to your country In other words, don't just experience missions locally, but nationally. He said, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, the the country. And then finally, we leave the community, we leave the country, and we go to the other continents, the other parts of the world, and experience missions internationally. And he ended by saying, to the ends of the earth. See, 30 years ago, you, you know what people did for missions. They prayed and they gave money. And today, there are so many open doors there for us. Not only can we pray, not only can we give, we can also go. You know, I believe that one of the greatest needs we're going to have in the future is for business people, professionals who are willing to go and spend a week or more overseas. Because there is a need in our foreign countries for business people who have been successful to go and share how to build a business, how to grow a business, how to be successful using biblical principles with business people overseas. And we need doctors and dentists that provide medical care. And we need teachers that not only will go spend a week educating kids, but also educating teachers how to teach. In fact, I'll promise you that if you tell me what you think your area of expertise is, I'm sure there is a way for you to put that gift to use for God's missionary work. And really, I hope all of this sounds exciting to you. I hope it gets your heart pumping and your blood racing. But you know, none of this happens unless one other thing happens. The fire of missions can never get ignited in our hearts unless we discover God's passion for missions. This is really by far the most important point because what determines your passion is your priorities. Right? Priorities always determine our passion. If your priority is making money, money becomes your passion. Priority is playing golf, golf becomes your passion. Right? When you make people that don't know Christ, that don't go to church your priority, then people become your passion. It's the kind of passion I want in my life. That I pray for your life. It's the passion that Paul talked about. Acts 20, 24, he said, The most important thing in my life is that I complete my mission, the work the Lord Jesus gave me, to tell people the good news about God's grace. See, what we so desperately need is not just a passion for people without Christ. We need the compassion of Christ for people. Matthew 9.37, when Jesus saw the crowds, he felt compassion on them because they were hurting and helpless. He said, there are many people to harvest, but only a few workers to help harvest them. See, there were two words that perfectly described the vast majority of our world. And it was this, hurting and Helpless. Right? It describe those people that, that, that you see at work every day. People that live in your neighborhoods, people that you go to school with. Hurting and helpless. And let me tell you that Jesus is the one that heals the hurt, and Jesus is the one that helps the helpless. So let me ask, are you willing? Are you willing to invest your life in the only thing that will last for all eternity? And that is the souls of man. The single most important achievement you'll ever have in this life is allowing God to use you and his missionary enterprise to bring people to faith in Christ. And you never know when or where God will ever use you. There was one pastor, he met a man in a restaurant and he invited him to church. And after a few weeks, this man showed up. And then he kept coming. And a few weeks later, the pastor sat down with him and found out he was joining the military. And he was about to go to Fort Benning for training and then in six months be going to Iraq. He had volunteered for the infantry. He wanted to go to front lines to defend his country. But there was just one concern. He had no certainty that when he died, he would go to heaven. Being a young man about to go off to war, you can understand that anxiety. And so the pastor did what any of us in this room would have done. He gave witness to what Christ had done in his life. And the young man asked to receive Christ into his life, and the next week they baptized him before he headed off to basic training. That soldier became a missionary heading to a mission field. And the mission field that is out there doesn't have thousands or millions. But it has hundreds of millions of people that are waiting for someone like you and someone like me to say, a missionary? Yes. So let me ask you as we close, are you ready to be a missionary right here where you live? Because it all starts by surrendering your life to Christ. Surrendering your will to him. And so if that's what you need, I invite you to come. Come up and talk to me. Stop by the church and visit with me. (laughs) But whatever you do, don't wait. Let this be the week you say yes. Yes, Lord, I will be a missionary for you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit upon us to give us your words and your strength and your passion to serve. And Lord, I pray you help each and every one of us this week to be your witness to those in our lives who need you most. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.